this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. Welcome to another week. And maybe some new listeners. I always wonder if like we have new people listening. Yeah. If you're new, come say hi to us. Leave a review. Send us an email. Write us. Send us some presents. (laughs) We'll send you some presents maybe (laughs) for being new. We're more than halfway through February. Feels like February always flies by after January goes really slow. Although time doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore because time doesn't exist. We've all just been yeah, inside we're for one hundred in years, floating around in space as always. Um, how's your week going? It's been so cold in so much of the country. Um, we here in Colorado are used to this happening from time to time, but a lot of places are not used to this happening from time to time, and it's been a real tough week. Yeah, real tough week. I, well, first of all, I was going to ask you on my way home today, I was like, do you ever take take work home with you? I work from like, home? Do you, like, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I guess, here's here, let me rephrase that. Not take work physically home with you, because you're physically home all the time. I should say, do you let work stay on your mind after you, quote unquote, like, punch oh, out yeah. for the day? Oh, yeah. It's really hard for yeah. me. Okay, so here's the other thing. Here's the thing I dislike the most about working from home. And I've seen a lot of studies that very much corroborate this is that my workday feels longer, but at any given moment, I feel less productive. So like, I even, you know, like I can work from, I can sit down here in my little office from nine to five, but inevitably, you know, if I go upstairs and make some lunch, I'm going to end up talking to the kids for a little while or, you know, helping out with something or unloading the dishwasher. And like, while, you know, when I was in an office and hopefully, you know, we'll return to an office sooner or later. It's not like I just sat down at my desk and didn't stand up for eight hours. Like I would wander around and go say hi. You know, if I was on exactly. my way to a meeting, I'd stop by someone's desk. I'd go and to you're the kitchen. like at, at work. Yeah, and you're at work. But like, it's not like I was like nine uninterrupted hours of dedicated work time or eight un- uninterrupted hours. But it right. feels more pronounced when I'm at home. So then I feel like, well, I didn't like really work a full day, so I should log back on at night from like, so like maybe not most days, but often I will then work I'll sit here in front of my desk from nine to five and then I'll get back on and like finish things up from like eight to nine. And then last night, because it was a long weekend, we're recording this on Tuesday, I have had this not meeting. For, not for people who work in healthcare. I know. I had. A, <laughs> I miss working for the government. There's days where I'm like, I, I mean, the government had like every holiday off, but yeah. And well, and so the company that I work for is actually based out of London. And so they're really good about honoring regional holidays because we have offices in like 11 countries around the world. And so they're really good about honoring regional holidays because they're like, I don't know, like Egypt has its own holiday, you know, so we get all of the little holidays off. Oh, and so I, but I have a meeting that is like with some much higher ups that keeps getting moved around. And like some of the people are in Dubai. And so, and I had this like horrible, irrational fear that like the mo- the meeting had been moved and was going to be first thing this morning and I wasn't going to know about it. And of course that fear didn't enter my mind until 10 o'clock last night. So I got up at 10 o'clock, came downstairs, like checked my email to make sure nothing had been moved. It's like, come on. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where I was just driving home and I was like, I just, like something happened like right before I left it, like kind of stuck in my head Mm -hmm. that is really kind of other people's crap. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so hard. I I have to take a moment because like gets in my head and it almost feels like a headache, but not like definitely not a migraine, but just where you're kind of like, ugh. And I just try to be really good about like letting that crap go because it just can stew. And then the 
you make stories up in your head when you get home about why things are happening. And it just doesn't do anything for me or for any of us. So I was just like, dude, I'm sure other people do that. But it's just, especially in the pandemic, I thought of people like that are working from home that you like can't really shut it off when you're done for the day because it's always there. Or how do you draw boundaries around that? I know a lot of people like have good practices about having separate spaces. But what if you live in an environment where you can't have like a separate room? Right. For that work? was my it's life just, until a month ago. Exactly. It's yeah. hard. And I, yeah, I don't really know. I don't have good boundaries. I feel like my boundaries are very much around like I try really hard, even if I'm thinking about it to not like I don't I try not to bring my lap, my work laptop upstairs anymore. I have a separate work phone and personal phone so that I don't ever have my work emails on my personal phone. I learned that from my previous job where I just like put everything on my That's, personal phone. It was just like, yeah, it was horrible. I have a separate work phone and I turn it off on the weekend. And people are always like, you know, you could get work to pay for your phone if you would just combine them. Like, yeah, that is not worth it to me. I will pay nope, it's not worth it. my, you know, $100 a month phone bill to not have my work emails on my phone. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's not worth it. And and I think that you even with my work phone, I had to set boundaries around the notifications. Like even when I'm home, turning off email notifications. Mm-hmm. So like it doesn't pop up and give you a notification or a preview in your like in your home screen that you have such and such email because it was just driving me crazy. Totally. And I think like sometimes it helps me to just open up a notes app on my phone and just like dump like, okay, I'm, you know, it's nine o'clock at night. And like last week we talked about, I like sort of review tomorrow in my head. And I also review the day of in my head. And sometimes I'll be like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. Or shoot, I, you know, told someone I was going to get this to them and I didn't do it. So I'll just open up my notes app and put that in there. And that is just, I think a tried and true method yeah. for any time you like, like letting something it, pops up in your head right right as you're mm-hmm. falling asleep like let me just get it out of my brain so that my like lizard brain can stop being worried about remembering totally. it i can move on with my life yeah that's just really hard i think i uh, just anyone out there who works from home too that has that setup or i don't know anyone can really relate to that where you're just trying not to let it get to your head and and i think some jobs take are, up your time some jobs are easier and harder than others like brandon obviously like he thinks about his cases and stuff after the fact but he's like there's literally nothing he could be doing from home no and so for him it's really black and white like when you're at work you're in surgery you're in surgery when you're at home there's nothing you could do you know you can think about it or whatever but like versus for me it's like yeah at any given moment of the day at three in the morning I could be doing work yeah that's true that's true I think it's really hard to in behavioral health because you think so much about the patients who are like really struggling and could you have done more and Mm -hmm. blah 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 but anyway I think that certainly we will it if work is important to us, we're like going to think about it. But like, how do you really shut it off when you go when you get done for the day? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I also feel like it has so much to do with your corporate culture. So there's some of it that you just can't that's control. so true. Like at my, oh my last God. job, it was really glorified to like work all day and like be answering your emails all the time. Yep. I was getting calls from clients at five in the morning yeah. and at eight o'clock at night. Totally. And now at my job, oh my God, that you were like a stress God, ball that at that job. job was oh my God. And it's the it totally is the culture. Yes, it was the culture. And like, you know, people would be like, oh my gosh, I was emailing him at 10 o'clock last night like and it was like oh you were up till 10 I should have been up till 10 yeah 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 like that martyr thing yeah. of like I'm working the hardest it's so bad it was it's so like, bad I remember one time my boss this was towards the end of me working at this job when I was like I don't want to work here my boss was like 
so sick that she could barely even talk on the phone. And she was like, well, I'm going to take this call from my bed. I'm just I'm sitting in my bed answering emails. I was like, take a freaking no, sick day. Take a sick day. And that was when I remember yeah. like thinking, what do I want out of this job? And I was like, I don't want to move up. I don't want my boss's yeah. job. Like she's miserable. Yeah, exactly. And th- that was a culture at my previous job where you were expected to work 80 hours a week and just be so out of control workaholic that that was really glorified. And when I came to Kaiser, it was just like such good boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not expected to work at all hours and you actually can't because you're working with like patient information. So you can't access anything from home. Well, managers can, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, I just think the the thing that hit me too was in 2020 and I realized that I have a position that I'm very lucky that I like get to earn time off and I get like vacation days and I get sick days and whatever. But I recently was on the phone with our HR person and I was talking about some other things that I had going on with like my HR account. Um, I had some questions and she's like, by the way, you're not earning PTO right now. And I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, you're maxed out on PTO. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, yeah, you stopped earning PTO in December, which thank God it was only a month. Right. But if I Had hadn't had asked, known, yeah. I was like, uh, first of all, I kind of I knew that there was a cap, but I was like, for sure, I haven't been in the company long enough to where I've capped out at PTO. But because 2020, we didn't go anywhere right. and I didn't take days off. I was like, holy crap. So I like immediately started scheduling days off this month because I like need to start right, you know, earning it and taking my days and recurring again. But it just kind of hit me too that I'm like, wow, I also equated and this is kind of a given, but like I equated taking days off with like going somewhere mm-hmm. as opposed to like just taking time for yourself mm-hmm. and because we can't go anywhere, you still need to take time for yourself and you need to like unplug from work. So that's where I also kind of attribute to me getting sick because I was just like working and like not taking time off, not taking care of myself. Right, it wasn't even like occurring and to you. It wasn't even occurring to me. So that it's was interesting because call. our business, the company that I work for, I, one, their initiative at the first half of last year was that every single employee in the company of 11,000 people had to take 75% of their PTO before the end of the first half of the year to get the like cost wow. to get the the cost of unused PTO off the books. And that was like one of their measures to not have to lay people off. So all of us took like one to two days off a week for two months, basically. And and like our, my, the company I work for has really generous PTO. If you've been with a company for more than a couple of years, you get like 20 or 30 days of PTO a year. And then you can also do it in Colorado. You can roll over up to like what is it up to another 40 hours of PTO or something or 35 hours? Yeah. So some people have like 40 days of PTO and to try to just like use that incrementally over the course of two months. I mean, 40 days is what? Eight straight weeks of PTO. Yeah. And so anyway, you're like, see you later. Right. Yeah. And so I did have to take a bunch of PTO, but it like was not relaxing at all because basically it just it more we more or less were told like, all right, you still have to do your job, but we're only allowing you to work four days a week. And so everyone was taking these yes, random so days you're off. Like, do, yes. So then you're like doing more in less amount of time and that stresses right. you Right. And too. it's like, yeah. I mean, I go into this with Brandon sometimes about like kind of, you know, being home and being a mom. And I think a lot of parents and just people in general deal with this is that like, he'll be like, okay, you know, go like do what you need to do. Go to the gym, go for a walk, like go get your eyebrows waxed, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but if I leave the house for an hour and then come back and like have to make up for the hour that I was gone, it's not relaxing for me to be gone. If I come back and like the kitchen hasn't been clean, you know, whatever and I have to feel like I'm making up for that time. So it's the same kind of thing. It was like these days off aren't relaxing because I have to come back and like it just was very scattered. So of course, like I will take that any day over having been laid off, but it was just like, wow, this is not relaxing. And yet there goes all my PTO. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that was my purpose too, of not really taking PTO last year was I'm like, where are we going? So, okay. So speaking of like going places and traveling, I'm going to bring up a little petty topic, but I have a hard time. And I probably said this before. I have a hard time like seeing people on vacation Mm -hmm. and you know, I'm sure there's like protocol and things people can do to like really be safe. And someone, one of my friends mentioned to me recently, you know, now is actually probably the safest time to travel because they're like disinfecting like crazy. Totally. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. It's probably like more, I don't want to say more safe. I don't have like actual factual data about that. But in theory, you could say, yeah, it's probably more safe because they're disinfecting like crazy. Or just as safe as it ever was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I see people traveling and my immediate gut reaction is like, Ugh, how dare you? Like, that's so selfish. We're in a pandemic. And then I saw this news story on our local news last night that I don't know, maybe it was national, but I love um, Lester Holt with nightly news. <laughs> I love him so much. I'm Lester Holt. Take care of each other. Wait, take care and whatever. Um, So he, (laughs) whatever, take care of yourselves and each other, I think is what he said. And it was a story about this fire department who I think they were put on leave or something. They had some type of like, like a required, I don't know. Or yeah, they, I don't know if they were fired, but they were on furlough. Right. Like on some type of, you know, punishment, if you will, Mm -hmm. because they were all posting online that they went, they traveled internationally. Oh, not a furlough. Oh, they were like suspended. Suspended. Yes, 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 yes. Um, some type of consequence, let's say, because they were traveling together and they were all posting this online on Facebook and like, you know, hey, we're having this great, I think it was like a wedding that they all went to and they traveled for. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, like that's really a big deal to have that type of consequence, whether it be suspended from work or whatever. When, you know, these are firefighters traveling for someone's wedding, mm-hmm. but like plenty of people are doing that but why are they kind of being singled out? But then it just kind of made me think like, I talked to a lot of my friends who are like adamant about not traveling. And then I have a couple of friends who are traveling like there's not a pandemic mm-hmm. and I secretly judge them. It's and so secret, I think <laughs> we all know it's not a secret. Yeah, I just don't name names. But I, you know, it's just you anonymously I think I would not. Yeah, I, my gut reaction is we're in a pandemic. We can wait to travel. But on the other hand, I'm sitting here watching. OK, this is another thing I have to get to, by the way. Don't let me forget about Mike Birbiglia's joke about um, parents in the pandemic versus people with no kids in the pandemic. Okay. You'll laugh really hard. But I think about like Scott and I just being so antsy to like go somewhere and do something. But I'm like, everyone else is in that boat. So do you take a trip for your mental health? Or, you know, those types of things I kind of toss around. But at the end of the day, all I can think of is I would not feel good. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel like I was we're in a group project with the entire world. And I want to be the person that's like actually trying to help the problem Mm -hmm. of this freaking pandemic that's been going on for over a year now. I know. I I mean, I think that I see it a little bit less like intensely than you do. And I think that there's... You mean traveling? Yes, traveling. I think I can see a lot more. I personally see there to be other like reasons and sort of angles where I'm not like... It doesn't feel as black and white right now as it did like, you know, in June or May. And I think that there's smart ways to do it. I do, you know, I think that there is also, however, the reality that I, you know, a lot of people are traveling COVID positive knowingly. You know, people are putting strain on communities that don't have a lot of resources. And so those are the types of questions, you know, that I think people just need to be asking. And it's like, I don't... But I think that we're at the point where... And I think a lot of people would argue this 
about a lot of the decisions that have been made and a lot of the things that people have been told not to do is like, what's that Mm -hmm. balance between your mental health versus, you know, living by the rules. And I think for you, like you're a real rule follower. Totally. And so for you, like it stresses you out to think about doing something that is not in the rule book. And so like for you, it would not be a stress reliever to go on vacation. You'd be stressed out about like not doing vacation. Yeah. Cause all, and, and all I want to do is like share with my friends and post it on Facebook and like take beautiful photos. But the whole time I'd be like, I'm being judged for traveling. Like I can't, I, first of all, it's not that I care what people think, but I also think like, I don't want to be a part of the problem Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be perceived as a part of the problem. So it's like that whole Gretchen Rubin, like, you know, four tendencies, my tendency is to be, what is it? An obliger? Yeah. The one that's like, okay, rules. Got it. I will follow the rules. Rules. Got it. I will follow these rules. And I think, but I I think like there at this point are more and there are safer and less safe ways to be traveling. If you are, I think there is like a fairly safe way to do it. It's nothing is completely safe. And of course, like there are a whole lot of horror stories abounding. I haven't clearly gone anywhere, but I don't know. I wish I had. I wish I'd been able to go somewhere. Yeah. Where, where is I the know. first place you want to go other than LA? Hawaii. Yeah. I would abs- I would take the first flight to Kona. I'm like, I just want to be on a beach. Yeah. I want to be... I Here's where I'm at mentally. This is so stupid. Um, I need to stop like downing my own thoughts, but like it just feels dumb in like the grand scheme of things. But the other day I was like craving sunshine on my limbs so badly that I was contemplating going to a tanning bed, which is A, so not sanitary and B... Yeah, t- I mean, I might as well, I know I might as well travel if I'm going to a plane. I might as well get on a plane at that point. Right. And, 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 you know, it's also very not good for your skin, but I was so, I was just like, I need sunshine. I don't care if it's fake. I need like rays hitting my body. (laughs) And that's where I was at. I felt that way about like being submerged in a body of water. To the point where like, I was like, I haven't like submerged myself in a body of water since like summer 2019. So we went to a hotel for our anniversary and went to and I jumped in the indoor pool and I was like, this is what I needed. I needed like warm water over the top of my head. Yeah. You know, that's like, I just need something. I was daydreaming about swimming in the ocean and like going Mm -hmm. to our favorite beach. I was just like going there in my mind. I'm like, I know exactly how it feels. Right. I know the exact place. I think I've been struggling too. And I think we talked, you know, we talked about last week with like hitting the pandemic wall, but I'm starting starting to think of like, you know, we kind of keep talking about, oh, when we went to LA, like that was our last big hurrah. Like that will be a year next week. And somehow like hitting that that milestone is like, oh, it kind of hurts my stomach just to think about like how, yeah, we're not going to go down that plan because I I will talk for days about that trip. And everyone has heard it pretty much 10 times (laughs) in the past two months. So let me talk really quickly about the Mike Birbiglia yes, comedy show do. that we virtually went to. If you're not familiar with Mike Birbiglia, he's a comic. He's amazing. He has a ton of specials, comedy specials. He's been around, I want to I think he's my age in, in his 40s, like early 40s. Um, so he's been around the comedy scene quite, for quite some time. If you have never seen The New One, I believe it's on Netflix. His special called The New One is fantastic, especially if you're a new parent. It is the most beautiful show that I've ever seen. He did it in New York. He had like a you know a show there for months i haven't seen it i'll have to check it out oh my god claire you would love it it's so good it's so good so it's all about how him and his wife decided whether or not they were going to have kids and you know what happened when they made that decision and it's just it's just so cute it's so cute i actually Uh want to watch that tonight so he did this virtual show on zoom and you you know bought tickets and they send you the link and so we're in this virtual show with a thousand other people i was like oh my god claire we could probably get like 50 but I was like, he charged like $25 a ticket, had a thousand people and did two shows a night. I'm like, that's like $50,000. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. 
Anyway, not to compare ourselves to Mike Birbiglia because he's you definitely know. in a completely different class. But and I'm I was sitting just here like, thinking, oh like, God. he just did that on Zoom. Like, that's a yeah, that is a logistical but, gamble. But to be fair, he had an amazing setup. Yes. He had cameras. He had a team that was like managing people who were going off mute because he did want to hear laughter. So he wanted people to be, you know, to be off mute. But he's like, hey, if you're gonna talk, like, mute yourself. I just want to oh, hear laughter. Oh wow! Yeah. So he. So it was really cool because we could hear everybody laughing. Um, Scott and I were muted because we wanted to talk about the show. We didn't want to be like right. the annoying people. But that's he had, a gamble, like, like from an event organizer totally, standpoint. Totally. I was so impressed, though, because he had probably a group of five to 10 people who were who were moderating sure. and would mute people the second they heard talking. So it wasn't like disruptive. So it was really cool wow. because a thousand people, you could hear laughter, you could see everyone on the camera at home. And then he would all of a sudden be like, put so and so on camera or on the screen. So then they would do that like split yeah. screen and you would he would like single someone out and there'd be like a couple there with their dogs. And he's like, I love how you're just like on the couch with your dogs and it was just like really cool and interactive in that way but one of the jokes so he did this whole like opening and talked to some people in the audience and then he worked out some of his jokes Mm -hmm. and it was really cool to see like his process like he has a whole bulletin board behind him of like ideas of jokes that he's working on and then like how he's going to work them together but one of the jokes was called like parenting in the pandemic so he goes there's two and I'm totally butchering it but please just you know listen to Mike because I'm sure it'll be a he also has a podcast called working it out which is fantastic I need to take a breath I'm getting really excited I just love him so much. He's so, so funny. And it's like clean humor. He's not like, I mean, dirty comedy has a place, right. but I don't, it sometimes I know. makes For me so, feel uncomfortable. I, and well, and also sometimes I'm like, is this funny or am I laughing because I'm uncomfortable? One hundred percent. And it's almost always I'm uncomfortable. And I'm like, <laughs> um, anyway, so one of his jokes is like parenting in the pandemic. He's like, there's two groups of people in the pandemic. There's parents who are like, get me out of my house. Get me away from my kids. He's like, they're climbing the walls. Yeah. He's like, and then you have the people without kids who are like, I'm bored. It's <laughs> like, and I haven't been bored since the 80s. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I like looked at Scott. I'm like, yeah, we're like so bored. And then there's people like, I hate you. And I'm like it was just laying really in a princess tent to hide from my kids. That is accurate. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> so <laughs> true. Like, yeah. So true. It's very true. Oh, All right. Goodness. I'll give a quick health update because it will take five seconds. I'm feeling great. No changes. I am actually worried about going to get, I don't know why I'm worried about this, but I'm like, I'm treating it as a report card, but I have to get updated blood work um, just to kind of see where I'm at to see if it's improved. And I'm really nervous about it to a point where I'm like putting it off and I should go like tomorrow and just get it done. Mm -hmm. But my naturopath, last time I saw her, I think it was like last week, I was like, I'm nervous to get my updated blood work. She's like, don't be nervous. It's just data. Like, okay. But yeah, so far, I mean, things are just going really well. They're trending upwards. That's all I'm going to say right now. I'm just next time, hopefully I'll have my blood work done and it won't be scary. I think that that's reasonable to be worried about that because it's like, I think with anything medical, well, and going into this, you've had this experience of like, you can't really necessarily trust what your body is telling you exactly and so you want to like you feel better and the last thing that you want is what if you get in there and they're like oh actually your labs went down or like your labs right. like went back up like things are things are worse and it's gonna be like yes what? 
which I know it's not because I feel better. Right. Like every every symptom that I have had that I started with with Graves has improved. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. I even look like my face. I, I don't know if you noticed, probably because you haven't seen me in person, but my um my skin kind of looked ashy. Mm. Like in some of my photos, I look back, I'm like, I kind of looked ashy. And I feel like I have color back in my skin and like everything is going better. So I feel like that's just a silly fear that I have that the doctors, like the Western medicine doctors are going to be like, oh yeah, she's doing naturopathic right. medicine. But that's just kind of where my head goes. Well, that's exciting. I don't have any updates to give. <laughs> no updates for me. No updates Nothing to give. Nothing has changed. What'd you guys do? Oh, you just talked about yes, really what? Did you guys do for Valentine's Day? Uh, you just talked at we length did. about that. Yeah. We ordered Valentine's dinner from the secret Vietnamese restaurant in Longmont where you can like order, only order on Instagram and you pick it up from the back door of Tangerine. Oh my gosh. Yes. You've told us yes. about this. It's like not as secret as I'm making it sound. I'm, you, you know, it's like the health department knows about them, but they're great. And we had their really fancy Valentine's dinner and that was fun. And Brandon got me some roses and I was like, Brandon, I really appreciate this. And also the next time you bring me home flowers, please don't bring me just like a bundle of uncleaned roses because dethorning roses on your own is the worst. And like at a flower <laughs> shop, if you work at a florist, you have a little tool that does it for you. To do it. Yeah. But if you just like get a bunch of uncleaned roses from the store, you have to pull. I like I cut myself, I had to wear a Band-Aid. And I was like, well. And this is someone who's like a florist pro. Like I can't just like, put them should... in the water without doing No, that. you can't. can't. It's against uh-uh. your principles. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was lovely. And uh, we paid Miles $5 to put himself to bed. And it kind of (laughs) worked. How did that go? It was okay. He, we like set him up with like a Lego that he hadn't started yet that we knew was like well within his range of abilities. And he came out a couple times just to think to like, to like show us how he was going with the Lego. Oh God. I, Scott bought me that. I posted it on stories and then I totally bailed. He bought me the VW bus Lego set. And yes. Okay, everyone out there that does Legos is going to make so much fun of me, but I am very used to the sets that have the numbered bags. If you know what I'm talking about, it has a set and it tells you when you open the directions, you're going to start with bag number one and all the pieces for the next 20 pages are going to be in bag number one. Wow. The bus doesn't have the bag and it's like a thousand pieces. I'm like, I can't do this. So the second I took it out, I was like, where's the numbers on the bag? (laughs) I put it all back in the box and I was like, I got to do this when I'm in a better mind space to like actually sh- like shift, sift through all the pieces to put this thing together. So uh, maybe I just need to Google like how to do it, but I'm just like super intimidated. That but that's hilarious. really funny. I'm also not a pro at Legos. So let's follow up on some of the topics that people wrote in about. And I think that it's worth talking about for just like a mere moment, not to stir up drama, but someone in the CrossFit world said, this might be too much of a landmine topic. And this is also a listener who I love dearly. They're like one of my favorite people. They've written in quite a few times. This might be too much of a landmine topic to navigate and may end up causing more trouble than it's worth. But what's the deal with how many CrossFit athletes are not wearing masks and are surprisingly quiet about recent political events? Would be interesting to hear about ties between the type of folks drawn to CrossFit or other high intensity fitness and conservative leaning slash the military. But that's a beast of a topic so would totally understand if you were like mm, no lol I mean okay it is a beast of a topic but it's something that we've like sort of talked about before and the truth yeah. is that a lot of CrossFit gyms originated with military families police families you know other yep. types of like uh, you know firefighter family like the types of people who you might traditionally think to be more of a conservative background and right. lifestyle mm-hmm. and who are you know kind of more of those like blue collar professions 
And also in parts of the country, it, you know, in like there were more CrossFit hotspots in parts of the country where like Rich Froning lived in Tennessee and, you know, the Southeast and places. Of course, it was very, very big in California. But I think, you know, you have somebody like Greg Glassman who started CrossFit and he is a raging libertarian. And, you know, that was kind of like his circle. And I think it, you know, so not only do you have the aspect of it being first and early adopters, you know, being heavily military, heavily like a lot of people in the different forces. And then also the like immediate expanding circle from the center being people who are very libertarian. I think those two factors mean that you do have a lot of CrossFit founders and a lot of people who were there at the beginning of the sport who are more conservative. What we have seen is that people who are more conservative politically have been less in favor of strict mask rules and less in favor of, you know, business closures. I think the other thing is that in a lot of states, there are not mask mandates for indoor businesses. The business itself just decides. In Colorado, it's a mandate. Everywhere you Mm -hmm. go, if you are going to be indoors in a public place, you have to wear a mask. It is illegal not to do so. And even though... I just remember that someone picked a fight. They totally picked a fight. It's a law. It's not a law. Even though it's not technically a law, there you can have legal repercussions for not following an executive order. Sorry about the loophole there. Even though it's not a law, it's still illegal not to do it. That's Colorado. You know, in California, they took it quite a few steps further and just said, for the most part, gyms can't be open. In a lot of places in the country, they just basically said... Mm -hmm. You can't have gyms indoors. In a lot of places in the world, gyms haven't been open for a year. And I think that I wish that we had seen more CrossFit athletes taking, you know, being vocal about their opinions, you know, wanting ideally in support (laughs) of mask mandates and of wearing masks and all that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also think that and politically for that matter. But I also think that there's no incentive for those people to do that. You know, for them they can sit there all day and say, this is a place for fitness and positivity. And their followers would be like, thank you for saying that. Oh my gosh, finally, someone who says it's just a pace. Like finally, finally someone stepped forward. Someone stepped forward and held no their boundary. No one's talking for about not- it. That's another thing I can't stand when people say, not enough people are talking about yeah, this. Yeah, not enough people are talking about how <laughs> we should just not talk about anything. And like, I followed one, I even forget who it was because I just blocked it out. But like, basically she was like, someone has, has messaged me asking why I've been silent about recent events. I am a coach. It's my responsibility to have a neutral platform and make this a safe and accepting place for all. And I was like, I'm unfollowing you immediately. Mm-mm. But like, that's the thing. Neutral? Right. That's the thing is they're like, well, it's, I, you know, and then, and her entire comment section was like, thank you, finally. And, you know, people Ugh. being like, yes, this, um, mm. which we need to retire. Mm. Yes, this. But yeah, we have to retire. Yes, this and not enough people are talking about. And so I think that's what it is. It's just there's no incentive. And like that community is so well is so ready to just be like, so affirming of people not saying anything. And then also, they're also Mm -hmm. so quick to be so judging of people like, well, I can't I'm you know, I can't believe that you would say something like this. Like I thought I'm just here for fitness. So it's also, you know, the followers problems of people being like, stay in your lane. And it doesn't feel safe for those people. And you know, I can I don't think it's right. And I don't want to even go so far as to say that I empathize with that. But if your livelihood is your Instagram account, then I can see why it would feel very un... Maybe I can't see. I don't I don't want to make apologies or excuses for people who aren't using their platforms to speak up for what mm-hmm. they believe in. But if your livelihood is your Instagram account, then your thought process probably looks a little bit different. Yeah, for so sure. So that's my... Which I think is another problem. It's a huge some, problem. Yeah, anyway. So problematic. Yeah. With I would say white women. It's a problem. Oh, I mean, we are the worst. <laughs> yeah. White women, it's a problem if they're like, 
like, I have to stay neutral. I'm like, yeah, you don't get to do that. You don't that. get to it's do that. Problem, you staying but... neutral is not being neutral. Oh, There's no the, such yeah, thing as being yeah. neutral. There's no such thing as not being political. If you are saying like, I just want to keep politics out of it, that's a political stance. That's a political stance. And, you know, we've said this before. People leave comments or reviews. And when we started talking about politics last year, we've talked about it before, but we really got into it last year is when we got the worst reviews and really mean reviews. Mean. Of people being like, this just turned political. And I'm kind of like, look, I've been called annoying, political, Joyce too political, right. whatever you want to say. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm, that, I'm not sorry. I, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry and I refuse you feel that to way. be quiet about things that are important. And I refuse to be, I'm not going to be the white person that's just like, mm, I'm going to be neutral about this because this is just, that's a part of the problem. And if you don't see that. It's also not my job to make you see that. And I think that no, there is no, no, no. this, it, you know, it is really hard. And, and we do have the position of this is not our full-time job. This is a hobby for us. We bank very little, you know, money off of this. But also, you know, we recently cut ties with the sponsor for supporting yep. viewpoints that we thought were yep. wildly irresponsible and may notice you haven't heard ads lately. We were not, you know, we, we're, we're not in a position also to be calling like it didn't feel so egregious that we wanted to like call out, call a huge attention to it and like whatever it is what it is, you you know better, you do better, you learn and you move on. I just think that there is so much to be said for the position that we've back the corner we've backed ourselves into by feeling like content creators owe us neutrality and that mm -hmm. if you listen to someone on a podcast or you read their blog or you follow them on Instagram this assumption that they now owe it to you anything Oh, anything to you. But I think especially the feeling that people are like, well, you know, I, it's my right to get upset if you say things that I don't believe in or if you say things that challenge my, or, you know, that I perceive to be like against what I believe. And we've said this a million times. Don't follow, you know, no one's forcing you to follow anyone. But at the same time, people just get so mean. Well, here's what I would ponder is, are they uncomfortable? Because that person is standing up for something that they have to think about. Uh -huh. And I think there's something to that. I'm not saying it's every case, but I think there's something to when all of a sudden someone you go to for pretty photos and cupcakes, all of a sudden posts a stance about a very difficult political climate that makes you have to think about things and how you may be contributing to the problem. And I'm going to venture to say, and I would like someone to prove me wrong, but I would venture to say that 99.9% .9 of the comments of stay in your lane are from white people. And I think, you know, we talked about this last time too, or two episodes ago, like that cognitive dissonance, that feeling of like not knowing how to process finding out that the world that you've lived in is not the world you thought it to be. And not knowing where to go with that, especially if you're in an area or community that also, you know, is acting and feeling the same way that you are. It's a lot easier to lash out than it is to turn inward. Exactly. And I, I want to read this post in a second because it was just so well said just about racism and how people talk about it. Or I should say white people talk about it. But I want to say really quickly just about the CrossFit thing is I, I still don't think they're doing a great job of standing, I shouldn't say standing up, but drawing attention or making posts or statements about what is going on in the world. They've talked and, you know, with the new leadership and I don't know the new leader, so I can't say, you know, what his plans are mm. specifically. And I'd love for people to write in about that, but I don't see anything outright about what they're doing to be a more inclusive space. Mm -hmm. And that concerns me because, you know, I don't go to a CrossFit gym any go anymore. My gym is not affiliated. And that's not the reason why I go to that gym. I go to that gym because we actually get this people. question a lot. People are like, whatever happened to CrossFit J? CrossFit J is just now called Rocky Mountain Athletics. It's the same exact yeah, Rocky Mountain Athletics. gym that yeah. Joy has been going to this whole time. Yeah, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, and I'm going to keep going there because I love the people, but they chose to make the stance of we're not standing for this um, back mm -hmm. when CrossFit was 
you know, in the turmoil of all the shit show. But that doesn't mean that I won't go to a CrossFit gym ever again. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to go into a space that isn't a representation of saying we welcome everyone. Everyone is welcome here. So I feel like we didn't open too big of a can of worms. I think yeah, the CrossFit van is gone. It doesn't. Care Although about it actually us is driving a Boulder as we speak, because CrossFit main That's office funny. is in Boulder. Yeah. Okay, so let me read this post really quick. I saw this on. Do you remember Malcolm Jamal Warner? Everybody, do you know who Malcolm Jamal Warner? Theo from the Cosby Show. Oh, anyway, okay. He he had this on his uh, Instagram, and it's from Scott Woods, and it says the problem is that white people, and if you guys want to go to Malcolm Jamal Warner's Instagram, it's posted there if you want to actually see the post. The problem is that white people see racism as conscious hate when racism is bigger than that. Racism is a complex system of social and political levers and pulleys set up generations ago to continue working on the behalf of whites at other people's expense, whether whites know or like it or not. Racism is an insidious cultural disease. It is so insidious that it doesn't care if you're a white person who likes black people. It's still going to find a way to infect how you deal with people who don't look like you. Yes, racism looks like hate, but hate is just one manifestation. Privilege is another. Access is another. Ignorance is another. Apathy is another. And so on. So while I agree with people who say no one is born racist, it remains a powerful system that we're immediately born into. It's like being born into air. You take it in as soon as you breathe. It's not a cold that you can get over. There is no anti-racist certification class. It's a set of socioeconomic traps and cultural values that are fired up every time we interact with the world. It's a thing you have to keep scooping out of the boat of your life to keep from drowning in it. I know it's hard work, but it's the price you pay for owning everything. Oh, so good. Because the thing that I can't stand is like everyone, it's like when shit hits the fan mm -hmm. and everyone feels like they have to, this happened back when, you know, last year when I saw so many posts of people being like, right. I'm, you know, look at this book that I'm reading and a lot of white people like drawing attention to themselves all of a sudden to be like, look, I'm not racist. And it's like, we're living in a racist society. So there, yeah, there was one that I think it was, it was either Brene or Glenn and they posted and it said, racism is not the elephant. No, white supremacy is not the elephant in the room. It is the room. It is the room. So beautifully and simply stated. Yeah. So again, that was on Malcolm Jamal Warner's Instagram. It is by Scott Woods. And I also just want to acknowledge because it is Black History Month. I have been listening to a lot of podcasts with Black guests specifically. I mean, I, my playlist is pretty diverse, but I really, really specifically loved the interview with Amanda Gorman mm -hmm. on Hillary Clinton's podcast this week. Hillary Clinton's podcast is... Um, you and me both. And Amanda's just obviously an amazing human, an amazing artist. But the interview that she had was just beautiful. So if you're, you know, along the lines of like your what your feed looks like, I really encourage you to not just during Black History Month, but every day, seek voices that from people that don't look like you. Mm -hmm. The other one that I have been listening to lately is Undistracted with Brittany Packnett Cunningham. And she has, it's called Undistracted. So if you just search for Undistracted with Brittany Packnett Cunningham, she also has an awesome Instagram. Okay. Do we have any more questions to answer today? Yes. Okay. Let's so do one more shortish one. Let's do one more shortish one. This is a good one because it plugs into uh, therapy, therapy hat. It says, can you do a podcast and we'll just, we'll cover it. We can do more. People want to write in with more questions. 
how to trust others in dealing with negative thoughts. I know I'm not the only one that struggles with this, as many others have experienced anxious thoughts. I'm wondering if you have any advice on dealing with the negative thoughts that run through your head or how to deal with trusting your anxiety over the facts in front of you. So obviously 2020 has like kicked all of our anxiety into high gear. And I think the best thing that you can do is you if you have like from one to 10, if you're like at an eight with anxiety, meaning it really interferes with your daily life where you don't have good friendships or you're second guessing mm-hmm. everything you say or you're nervous all the time or you feel like you can't do anything right at work, like those negative thoughts really constantly run through your head. I would really encourage you to like talk to a therapist because that's something that you want to work on a little bit more strongly. So you don't want to just, I can't give you like a snippet of a tip in a podcast to be like, yeah, this is going to work for you. But I will say like, it's normal. Like being a human being, we're going to be living with a normal level of anxiety. So it's never not going to be there. But when it is there, Mm -hmm. you just have to recognize it and kind of do that mindfulness exercise where you can take it out and be like, okay, this is something that I'm worrying about right now. Let me just, let's break it down. Let me, what are the facts here? And kind of do like the facts list of, is this true? Or am I just worrying about something that could or couldn't happen? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's another thing is like, check the facts And if it's kind of just ruminating it through your feelings and you're just like, oh, I'm just worrying about something that I'm not sure about yet, that's when you kind of want to say, all right, I'm going to do everything that I can to be like, all right, that's actually not true. So let's push that aside. And that's kind of simplifying it. I know it's not as easy just to like push thoughts aside. Mm -hmm. But really, if you're thinking about something that's like you're just ruminating on it, try to sit down and like just bare bones. Is it factual? Mm -hmm. And, And then like the reminder that we can't worry about the future. One thing that I also really that I think about, and I've had diagnosed anxiety at multiple points in my life. And also postpartum anxiety was part of my postpartum depression diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, like we are using these terms, I always want to be clear about that, that like, we don't say like, oh, I have such bad anxiety. Because you know, we're like, we're nervous about an event, like there's a there's a normal amount of sort of exactly anxiousness that a human feels leading up to a situation. Yeah, situational anxiety is totally normal. Versus a chronic general anxiety that's actually like a mental diagnosis. And, mm-hmm. you know, not to say that situational anxiety is not also difficult to go through, but what we're right. really referring to is like full on anxiety. One thing that has like weirdly always helped me is thinking about I've heard I've read a lot of interviews with people who had horrible like and I've I feel like this is from a TED talk as well. Like horrible, horrible, horrible things happen to them. And this might even be something that like the terrible things for asking lady talks about. Mm-hmm. And like you talk to these people who have horrible, horrible, horrible things happen to them. And what they say is like, no amount of worrying about this could have ever prepared me for what it actually would have been like or what it actually ended up being like. And I wish that I wouldn't have spent that time worrying because it just took away from that moment. But what the reality of what happened was so different and so much worse than what I could have prepared for that, like, what's the point of even pretending that like you can worry about the future? And in, in a way, like that sounds horrible of being like a truly having a truly horrible thing happen to you is going to be so much different and so much worse than what you can imagine. I think that could be debilitating. But for me, it actually feels kind of freeing that like no matter how like crappy I let myself believe the future could be, I can't imagine what a true like horrible tragedy would be like. And so I need to just not even go there because like mm-hmm. to me, that sort of relieves me of the duty of having to imagine horrible scenarios mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's like the people who have been there have said, you can't imagine this. Yeah. And I think the piece about anxiety is we are constantly worrying about the future, about things that may or may not happen. That is actually, that's very real. We're always worrying about that. But I think of Brene Brown, 
one where she's like, you can prepare. Oh, that was that's what it is. It's worry is not preparation. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Like worrying is not preparation. You are doing yourself no favors by worrying about something. And I'm saying like extreme amounts of worry. Mm -hmm. So I think of Brene Brown's quote about like, you can't beat vulnerability to the punch, meaning no matter how much taking myself as an example, no matter how much I tell myself like, okay, it's going to be okay, cadets, not our dog. Like she belongs to CCI. It's going to be like, we're just going to train her and like, she's going to go off to training. Like I'm trying to prepare myself to not absolutely lose it when we pass her off to advanced training. Yeah. Like I started to do that, like preparing and trying to beat vulnerability to being like, it's going to be fun. And I just had to come to the realization. I'm like, oh, it's going to hurt like hell when we turn her in right. because we're so in love with her that I'm just going to ball my eyes out. Like I just have to come to terms with like, I can't prepare it away. Yes. I can't beat it to the punch. I can't try to plan and like tell myself all this narrative of like, she's just, she's going to be a service dog. Like she's not our dog. Like I tried to do that so much at the beginning. Right. Trying to prepare myself to be like, oh, then I won't cry because my whole goal in life is to like not ugly cry because it like scares me. But it's just going to happen. Right. And I just have to be okay with it. I know. So do not beat, we can't beat vulnerability to the punch. We just can't. And for me, like the phrase that I said a minute ago actually sort of like resonated with me when I said it of that, like relieving me of the duty of anxiety that like, it really feels like it's my job that like, I am like beholden to this. I have for some reason been signed up for this by some higher power to like yeah. worry about this. And if I don't worry about it, then it could happen. Yeah. Tina Fey talks about that in her book, Bossy Pants. She has this really funny um, line that's like, um, not everyone can control outcomes with their vigilance, but it's my lot in life and I have to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> so and I'm true. like, that's how I feel, Tina Fey. Yeah. And sometimes like people need like a tangible thing to do. Like sometimes it really does help to write it out mm -hmm. and put it in a jar and like put it in a shelf or like burn it or something like that. But truly just know at the end of the day that we're all walking around worrying about things that we care about and that it's normal. But if you truly are at a, at a level where it's interfering with your daily life is when it's okay to ask for help. And I also think like I always like to say this, there's no minimum prerequisite for going to therapy oh absolutely there's no like absolutely. minimum amount of messed up that yeah. you have to be right to go right to right, right that's very true you know and so like <laughs> i'm just thinking like in the terms of like if you're really not functioning but also at the same time yeah therapy is great for anybody and if you think like man i this is like yeah i might not be like derailing my plans but i feel sure. like i could feel better than this exactly i'm just curious to know if i have to live like this <laughs> I think therapists might be able to yeah, help you with that. And give you some great tools along the way. And you know, if not, then oh well. You know, <laughs> as a reminder, you guys always please feel free to email us at thisisjoyandclaire at gmail.com for help identifying therapy options in your area. Um, we also have an Instagram highlight called therapy and it is like kind of talks you through or walks you through the thought how process the of how to find your first therapist or find a new therapist and you know where to start if you're not even sure where to get started. So please use this as a resource. And I actually was talking to a friend about this just today who she's a new mom and she's like very just one of those like very sensitive emotional people, which I know, you know, you can't relate to at all. And mm -hmm. she there's like some minor thing with her baby that she brought up kind of like on a lark to the pediatrician. The pediatrician was like, I'm sure it's nothing, but like, let's have this other doctor look at him. And she was like, what do you mean? Let's have this other doctor look at them. And, you know, it's like put her down this whole thing. And, and while I'm sitting here trying to say like, hey, rationally, you know, your doctor's just trying to be thorough. And, you know, I'm sure like the, if there was reason to worry, they would tell you. Her brain is just thinking like, this is a lifelong illness. Like we're going to uncover totally. brain cancer. Right, right, right. What I had to tell her was like, listen, we spend so much of our lives reading about, you know, conscious leadership and self-awareness and you know vulnerability and like we validate the crap out of all of our feelings because to heal our inner child from being told that you know it's not okay to cry 
But there are some parts of our lives where you need to just grab yourself by the shoulders and go, stop freaking out. Like, don't validate, <laughs> don't validate your fear. And, you know, like there's only so much validating that you owe yourself. At some point, you need to just go, hey, cut it out. Yeah. Knock it off. So knock it if off. that's helpful for you, <laughs> cut it out. Just knock it off. Yeah. And uh, truly, maybe you are having the worst day. I loved how we ended yeah. the last podcast because like people really needed that. Like you're having the worst day. And like I've never heard of a of a worst day. You you win the prize. You are having the worst day of anyone I know. And we're celebrating you right now for having the worst day ever and maybe having the worst anxiety ever. Like you win the prize. But seriously, if you need help, email but us. Seriously, we, <laughs> we're very we're very here for Call you. Call us now. All right, guys. Well, thank you for spending another week with us. Please leave us a review on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you find us. Please tell a friend about us. That's the easiest way that you can help us is to get a friend to listen to us. Let's move up the charts. Send this episode (laughs) to a friend. Get them to listen to it. That's a huge, 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 huge help. And we are so excited to talk to you next week. We'll be back. We hope you will be too. We'll always be here. We will always be here. We'll talk to you then. Never going away. (laughs) Bye. Bye.